Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 35 Do All the Things. There comes a point in a person's life where the only thing you can say is, why? Why aren't these projects finished? Why haven't I just focused and gotten ends woven in? Why do I keep saying that I will stay on top of the dishes and it never happens? Why is it snowing in May? Oh, okay, I can answer that last one, because it's Alberta in springtime. But there are a lot of whys in life, and sometimes they just all come to a head. I reached that point yesterday. When I was searching for coordinating hand-knit socks to wear with sandals in the morning, and I realized that the the ones that went best were the ones I was still working on, after months and months of occasionally doing some reinforcing on them, I guess I just got tired of it. I looked at the socks, and the myriad of other projects laying around nearly finished, and said to myself, This has got to stop. I had one sock reinforced, and was a little bit into the heel on the second. I just cut off all the ends, and wore them. Maybe that's copping out, but I look at it as an experiment into how well the reinforcement actually works. And it gives me a nice pair of hand-knit socks to wear, because apparently socks and sandals for women is a fashion trend this year. Next on the block was the sweater. I finished it last weekend, and all it needed was one more underarm graft and the ends woven in. It's been sitting on the couch since then in a shapeless pile of knit fabric and yarn hair taunting me with its nearly finishedness. Enough of that. I brought it to Saturday Knitting, and even though it took a couple of hours, I got everything woven in. Today it went in the wash and is downstairs blocking. It should be dry by tomorrow, and then I just need to add a couple of nice buttons. After that, it was the Winterthorn Colorwork hat. It's taken me longer than I thought it would, but I got to the decreases Saturday morning, and then it was only an evening's worth of work and a little bit of time this afternoon before it was also finished. It's blocking on the kitchen counter, looking a little alien-like, with two plates suspended by a glass inside. Assuming it dries in less than a couple of days, it should go in the mail by midweek, and there's another checkmark to add to the list. Last on the schedule for this weekend are the leg warmers. All they need are ends woven in and elastic added to the top, which I should be able to do in about half an hour. And if I have time, I'm going to keep working on the 100 grams of Autumn Dusk Corydale Sliver I'm spinning because I'd like to get that done this week, too. I've been a little annoyed with myself the past little while. The lack of productivity in the evenings and on the weekends is foreign to me. All week, I've been sitting on the couch right next to that sweater. It wouldn't have taken much to pick it up and weave in a few ends, but I didn't. And even as I didn't, I was frustrated. Why wasn't I? What was stopping me? And now that the sweater's finished... Why was I able to do it now? If I had to hazard a guess, I would remind myself that moving is one of the top five most stressful things in life. I would also remind myself that even though I'm walking better, I'm still not well. I still have constant hip and leg pain, and my fatigue has been pretty high the last little while. And I would remind myself that everybody has a breaking point. And yet, Despite all these perfectly rational explanations, I'm still inexplicably annoyed with myself. 
Why do I feel like I should be able to do all the things all the time? Why can I not give myself permission to rest, to recharge so that in a week or two, I can do all the things all the time for a little while again? I've been flirting with the wall for a couple of weeks. I know that. But getting something settled with the move this past week has taken some of the pressure off. We have a place to stay. We can keep our email addresses. Our mail delivery will be a little complicated, but at least we can still get mail. And we have some movers coming next week to quote on moving and storage. Last weekend, if I'd been faced with the prospect of unfinished socks, I probably would have thrown up my hands, turned around, and gone back to bed. But this weekend, I could be decisive. I could take on the challenge and make things happen. I had rested enough. This weekend has been refreshing. With these things out of the way, I can clear the decks for the next priorities. Master Spinner homework is high on that list. And lest I forget, it is two months to the day that we will be moving out of this house and into temporary accommodation. The trick, I think, to getting through it all will be to achieve balance between what I think I should do and what I can actually do. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. One of the things that happens when I start feeling overwhelmed is that I start to doubt my own abilities. And I think that's probably fairly common for people <laughs> overall. Um, and the last couple of weeks have been pretty, pretty heavy in terms of stress. And, and I have spent quite a bit of time thinking about, you know, life, the universe and everything. And, and, you know, I'm talking to Mike and saying, and other people and saying that I don't have enough time to spin. I'm really don't, don't feel that I'm good enough to be a master spinner student, uh, that I don't have the time uh, to to get the practice that I need. But, you know, now that things are starting to settle a little bit, now that that I'm starting to think about a plan, and that I took the last two weeks to spin, I'm feeling a little better about it. I, I still think that I need more time. And I'm so glad that I have the extension. But, uh, but I'm feeling better about my chances of completing level three within the, uh, the amount of time for the extension. So, so not giving up quite yet. It is what it is. So this week, uh, the past couple of weeks, I have actually been spinning, not for homework. I just, I needed to take some time and just spin to remind myself that I actually really do enjoy the process and I'm actually not awful at it. So I had the project I had on the joy was uh, Ashford uh, Corydale striped sliver in a colorway autumn dusk. And, uh, and so I've been working on that. I have a hundred grams of that and I probably only have about 10 grams left to spin. So that's, it's pretty cool. I really like it. I, I love the way it looks and I'm trying to figure out what to ply it with. And, uh, I posted a, a picture of this on the the uh, fiber artists group on Facebook and, uh, and got a really great suggestion, which was to ply it with one of the colors that's actually in. It's a four color striped sliver. 
and uh, and so I've put the wheels in motion to order 100 grams of each of the four colors that are in there, and an additional 300 grams of the autumn dusk colorway, which will give me 800 grams of two ply eventually, <laughs> not in the next little while certainly, but that I can use for a, a larger project. And this is just my default spin. Like this is relaxing spinning. I'm not counting treadles. I'm not figuring out what my drafting zone is. This is just my default spin, just to spin, just to get the practice in. So, so yes. So with that, I've, I've worked a little bit on that today and then I put that aside and I actually, while I've been spinning this, I've been thinking about the master spinner and, and what to do and and I've been thinking about my final project. Now, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to do the final project before you've finished all the other skeins. But I've been thinking that while we're in our temporary accommodation, we'll be in a furnished suite for six to eight weeks. That might be a really good time to spin the yarn for the final project. And then I can do the dyeing once we get actually into the new house. So I've been thinking that might be a good way to do it. So I I have a bag of Wensleydale Luster Top. And I was thinking that might be good for the warp because uh, Wensleydale is a long wool and it can be spun fairly fine and at a fairly high twist. So I just, I did up a quick sample, just, um, just um, Andean off a bracelet's probably only about five yards. It doesn't look too bad. You know, I think once I, you know, do the math on it and uh, I can make a pretty, really, a pretty nice, um, um, warp out of that. And then I also have a bag of, uh, Polworth, uh, that I used for my dyeing. Uh, I'd spun it on the spindle last year for my dyeing skeins. And, uh, and, and uh, so I've started sampling that too for the weft. So I'm, I'm thinking about those and what I'll probably do is, you know, once I've done just a quick little sample uh, to see how it looks, um, I might weave up do a little bit more, obviously, than five yards, but I might throw a little bit of it onto a pin loom that my dad made for me, which haven't haven't tried out yet, and uh, and and weave a sample to see how it looks without the the dyeing part of it. So, so that's kind of what I'm thinking now. Obviously, by the I have to spin about three hundred yards of something for the dyeing skeins for level four. I have to do that pretty soon. So I may start on that in the next little while. I'm half tempted to do silk just for the practice, just for the practice, but we'll see. We'll see what I can find downstairs. So that's where I'm at with my homework. It's more of a mental thing at this point, but I mean, I've been a little stressed, just, just a touch. It's all good. But yeah, I am thinking about the final project skeins for while we're in the in the in the uh, the furnished suite. So, uh, level two. This is the second last level two segment because it is module E two, which uh, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's the book reviews and the bibliography. So for level two, here you have to review um, five books as to how useful they are to you, and then also compile a bibliography um, for each of the 
exercises that uh, that you have completed in the in the whole workbook. Now, when I first when I did level one, I did a bibliography and I did just a, ge- a general bibliography for the whole workbook. For level two, what they ask you to do is to um, divide the bibliography out into each exercise. So you have a bibliography for exercise uh, A1 and then also for B1, B2 and so on and so forth. Not my preferred way of doing it because there's a lot of repetition. You know, I referenced uh, Old Namus's book quite a bit. I referenced uh, Abby Frankmont's Respect the Spindle quite a bit. So there's a lot of duplication. Like I said, it's not my favorite way of doing a bibliography, but that's the way they want it done. Uh, it's also um, AP style. It It's, you know, and part of the reason I did the bibliography in level one was because you know, coming from a university background, you, you reference stuff. You know, it's, it's not your thought. If it's not your thought, you tell people where you got it from. But plagiarism is a huge deal. So in terms of the uh, reviews, there are a lot of spinning books out there. And, you know, my reviews of spinning books, like how useful they would be to me, would not necessarily be the same for someone else. But but it part of the review is to talk about how useful it is to you as a spinner. So that's very important. So that's exercise E2. And the final exercise, which we'll cover next episode, is the final project for level two. So by next episode, I'm hoping to have a few of my samples finished, um, probably have the Mawada spun up for the woven sample, and hopefully a plan as for, hopefully started the, the dyeing skeins, which I'll need for level four, and a plan. I like plans. And a little bit more done. Fiber Notes It feels good to have finished a bunch of things. I was a little dismayed at how full our little side table is well, still is a little bit, but certainly was of uh, of projects that really didn't have that much left. So, so it felt good. And I know, I know, stopping the reinforcing on the socks is a bit of a cop out, but it just wasn't getting done. And uh, and and in this way, I can see if it's actually worth it to reinforce the socks before they start to wear through, or if it's better to wait until you've started to get some wear on the sock and then reinforce. So, and I've got a new pair of socks. So that's done. And the sweater downstairs blocking. I don't know what I'm going to do for buttons yet. I have to go into my button jar and see if I've got two nice ones that will work. But, uh, but the, the knit picks swish, I believe it's swish DK. It's a super wash Merino. Um, when I was knitting it, it was a little stiff, came out of the wash like butter. Oh, it's soft and lovely. And uh, and so, yeah, that's downstairs drying right now. Shouldn't be too long. The hat. You know, I, I was really, I was really surprised at how long it took me. Uh, the Winterthorn hat. I was taking it to work the last couple of weeks. 
and on my breaks, I could get one row done. And I thought, that's really, that's really not much. Does it really take me 15 minutes to knit one row on this hat? Yes. Yes, it actually did. So, you know, and when there's, I think it was about 60, give or take, color work rows, that's a, that's a significant investment in time. So, but in the end, uh, I got to the decreases, like I said, on Saturday morning. And, and after that, it went fairly quickly to the end. Now, I, this was a really, really nice pattern, and I'm probably not doing it justice with the block. I've, uh, I've got two of our dinner plates inside it to sort of make it a little more slouchy. And, uh, and then it's sitting on top of a glass so that I'm not really stretching out the rib. But uh, it, it really does look like a jellyfish or a weather balloon or some kind of alien aircraft <laughs> that's sitting on our kitchen counter. But, uh, but we'll see. Once it's dry, I'll see if it's going to sit on a head okay. If it's not, I'll, I'll just block it again. I'll block it flat. And, uh, and yeah, go from there. So... So yeah, three things finished this weekend. It's really quite impressive. The leg warmers, it's kind of late now. I won't get to them today, but I will get to them tomorrow. And otherwise, I've been working on the Noro tunic, trying to uh, to kind of get that done too, because it's getting to be about the right type of weather to wear it. I started on the two panels, the front and the back panel, the lower panels. The pattern... I've shown this pattern to a few people since I've I've started it and uh and I've had them read the stitch description and they and I describe what it is that I'm actually doing. And they read the description and says that's not what it says. The the description is very vague and uh and and you have to really kind of look at it and look at the picture to try and figure out exactly what it is what the stitch is. Um but but I'm about I'm about an inch in right now. It's going to block out really nicely. I'm doing them two at a time. With Noro, that might not be the best idea because it's all twisty and stuff. But it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it done. So that's what I'll be taking to work with me. Plus the, the samples, uh, the Master Spinner samples as well. So that's that. I haven't gotten to the doll yet. That's also going to be on the list because I have to get that over to England sooner rather than later. And yeah, just going to try and keep getting some things done. Fiberside Chat. We're less than two months away from Fiber Week 2014, and I realized the other day that I still have a couple of interviews from last year's Fiber Week to to put out on the podcast. So I figured this would be a good time to put one of those out there. So the interview I've chosen is with Heidi Kraus from Harmony Farms. Now, Heidi was the cashmere show coordinator last year, and unfortunately there won't be a cashmere show at this year's Fiber Week but they will be back for 2015. Now, I ended up with a half of a cashmere fleece that I still have to wash and do stuff with, but I really wanted to talk to Heidi 
about cashmere because it's one of those fibers. You know, it's it's like silk. It's so expensive and we don't want to, you know, break it. We don't want to we want to be a better spinner before we actually work with it. And I wanted to talk to Heidi about cashmere because I didn't know a lot about it and she was a wealth of information. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Heidi Kraus of Harmony Farms. So, all right, we're here um, at the Cashmere Show at uh, at Fiber Week, and we are looking at all the juried cashmere fleeces, and they are there are some amazing cashmere fleeces here. And I'm here with Heidi Kraus from Harmony Farm, who's going to tell me all about cashmere because I don't know anything. Sure, Vanessa. It's my pleasure. Good. All right. All right, let's talk cashmere. Okay. Well, um, in Canada, we have a breed standard, Mm -hmm. which uh, is highly focused on the fiber, obviously. Mm -hmm. So cashmere um, has three really main characteristics that we want to look at. And if you look at a judging sheet, there is the crimper style Mm -hmm. that's very important. There's fiber diameter, which is very important, Mm -hmm. and fiber length. Okay. So the fiber length... Uh, to qualify as cashmere has to be at least an inch and a quarter. Okay. Fiber diameter has to be at the most 19 microns. Oh, that's so At fine. two years of age. Two or years? In the, in the second fleece, yeah. Because the first okay. fleeces are often very fine oh, yeah. anyways. Most mm-hmm. of them should be very fine. So, um, but most of the, and, and any of the fleeces that you see here in the show are under... 17 microns. None mm-hmm. of them make it up to the 19 microns. Okay. That's, that's getting to be really quite coarse. For so, cashmere? Yeah, for cashmere. <laughs> if it's more than 19 microns, it's not cashmere. Okay. And better not be selling it or calling it cashmere either. Right. <laughs> Anyways, um, and then the other thing that's really important with cashmere is the crimp or the style. Mm-hmm. So I can show you crimp or style, same word or different word for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have a look... These are three different fleeces. Um, this one here has, it doesn't, it's not wavy, but it's not super curly. Yeah, it looks it's, more like a, almost like an, a bunch of waves in an ocean. Yeah, kind of thing. but they're, they're still not uniform waves. Yeah, no. That would be more like a, like a, the mohair, right? right. Or, mm-hmm. or even the crimp from alpaca. Mm-hmm. But with cashmere, it needs to be more of a three-dimensional wave or it shouldn't be a wave actually it should be curls Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. three-dimensional curls in all different directions and um, the more the better this fleece here even just with the naked eye against Mm -hmm. something dark shows quite a lot more uh, style or Mm -hmm. crimp definition Mm -hmm. and then this one here it's a bit shorter fiber but look at all the crimp on that and it's also finer yeah exactly that's so, so fun. Yeah. Um, we determine the micron by mm-hmm. sending our, our fleeces for histogram tests. Mm-hmm. Folds has a center for innovation where they do histograms. Very good. Uh, there's, there are different labs as well there in, in the States, mm-hmm. um, in Denver. There are some in New Zealand. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So with a cashmere fleece, because yeah. um, I've been... I've, since I came to talk to you last night, I've been talking to people about cashmere. And a raw cashmere fleece, you need to dehair it? Yeah, in order to have that awesome softness yeah. and not have a prickle factor, mm-hmm. that some people say, oh, well, I'm allergic to every fiber. Well, actually, you probably aren't if it's properly dehaired or if it doesn't have some, some 
uh, grossly different diameter fibers mm -hmm. in with it. So cashmere, in order for you to have just super, super, super soft, you want to get rid of those guard hairs. Right. And um, what was your question? Differentiation again? Well, just how does one go about doing that? There. Oh, I'm the sure, dehairing. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure there are you know mechanical processes, but but if you if you didn't want to, if you say only had an ounce and you yeah. wanted to dehair it yourself, yeah. how would you go about doing that? Best way is just let your fingers see. Ah. So if you put your hand into this bag of cashmere here, mm -hmm. do you see mm -hmm. them with your fingers? Do you see the guard yeah. hairs? Yeah. So yeah, you absolutely do. And you can actually phys visually see them as well. Yeah. And that's one of the things that and, and, uh, when are judging, um, the scoring is also done on differentiation. Okay. You want to have a good differentiation between the down mm -hmm. and the guard hair mm -hmm. so that the down um, falls away easily or the guard hair is easy to pick out mm -hmm. or if it's done by a machine, whether yeah. it's a big machine or a custom machine, it uh, can be easily distinguished and mm -hmm. sloughed away. Okay. Right. So, okay, um, if you're going to do it by hand, then the best thing to do is just lay it out, take it out of plastic because the plastic is staticky. Mm -hmm. And lay it out somewhere if you have it on your lap cloth, uh, have it so that you can see the difference so you had to have a, the mm -hmm. right color surface behind you usually yeah, a dark so, one is really good so it, uh, like a dark fleece you'd probably put on a white cloth it doesn't no it, it's no? not actually it doesn't work that way really no, no and you can actually see the the fiber diameter and the crimp better on the dark cloth even with a dark even fleece dark like this fleece. one yeah mm -hmm. yeah but i mean it depends and you know mm -hmm. have a well-lighted room is probably well, not yeah. a bad idea if you're yeah. sitting and watching tv have a little lamp over you or mm -hmm. something or if you're and and um so your lap cloth, and then you can see, you can pull it out, mm -hmm. have a look. You can just take a piece like this here, mm -hmm. and I'd start going through. This is my fleece, so I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, let's just start going like this here, and then I'll just blow away the these here into yeah. the trash somewhere. Well, you're, and I see when you're pulling them out, you're not taking any of the, the, the fuzz, the, nope. the good stuff with you. No, nope. no. Nope. So that makes it really easy. And another thing that you can do, what has worked for people, is to... Um, when you wash the fleece, mm -hmm. the guard hair stands, it's stronger, so it stands away. Mm -hmm. It has more resistance. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get pressed down quite like the cashmere does. Mm -hmm. And so you can pull it out then. All of it involves hand picking. Yeah. Some people say, do tweezers. I don't think so. Not for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you know, if, mm -hmm. if that's what works for you, or if your, your fingers aren't quite, like if you can't quite get them to do that, then mm -hmm. maybe the tweezers will work. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard of ideas like using... A nylon, putting your fleece into a nylon and tumbling it. I haven't seen that work. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for me. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, so I suppose people have to try things, right? People have to try things and, and try whatever you suspect might work. You, mm -hmm. can, you can only say, well, that didn't work, so we'll try something different. Right? Exactly. Um, but the thing is that, that you're, you're going to have to do it. It's manual. It's a manual mm -hmm. labor. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a fleece to do that with for yourself, um, you're not going to send it to a mill. Mm -hmm. Find a fleece that doesn't have so much guard hair in it. The, the amount of guard hair has, is largely dependent on when the producer harvests the fleece. Ah. So if you find the animal, uh, find that the animal is ready to comb the, the, mm -hmm. um, 
down has lifted or is lifting, that's the time to go ahead and harvest. Okay. And you won't get as much of the guard hair with it because they, okay. don't, they, don't, they don't shed at the same time. Oh, it's a the shedding. Down, okay. Yeah, yeah it's I didn't shed. know this. So I should have told you that. Yeah, I thought this. it was a shear. Okay, so no, it's a No, they're shed. not shorn. These aren't shorn. We don't shear okay. in our climate because the, the, well, yeah, the ideal time to harvest your cashmere is just after it's been shed or blown. It's like a mm-hmm. dog blowing its yep. coat. Because then you're getting just the cashmere and the the down from the winter. Yeah. Ah. And that happens in, in my herd, it happens between January and March. Not every goat is the same. Mm-hmm. This one sheds in January. Mm-hmm. Um, actually this one right here beside her, Larie, mm-hmm. she said yeah, that's Larie. Mm-hmm. She didn't shed until March. Oh wow. And but you can and you can see the mm-hmm. difference with yeah. this. Uh, this one, this one has more guard hair in it, and it I, I probably caught her a little bit later than than um, was mm-hmm. ideal even for her. Mm-hmm. But she just has a natural later shed. Okay, and it's daylight dependent, and mm-hmm. um, as well. And some people think that it's related to hormones, so pregnancy hormones, because mm-hmm. they're these would these kitted in April, middle of April. Okay, she kitted April twelfth. This one was a few days later. Okay. And um, so I combed this one in January. This one here was in March. And um, I haven't seen that correlation, but other people have. So mm-hmm. it plays a little bit. I guess it might depend on the animal, too. Yeah. It, it does play with, mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the genetics of the animal. But in general, let's mm-hmm. say January to March, somewhere in there they shed. Yeah. And, and optimally, the producer will comb when the goat is in full shed but hasn't started to shed the guard hairs. Okay. So when you go to buy a fleece, or to, to mm-hmm. if you're harvesting the fleece, get one that doesn't have so much guard hair. Mm-hmm. Do you want to put your hands in? Sure. Okay. This one has quite a bit more guard hair, and you can feel it. Mm-hmm. This one will be easy to pick the guard hair out of, yes. mind you. Yeah. And this is a fantastic fleece. She has a really nice quality. Mm-hmm. She has, well, it's just a, it's a good fleece. But this one... If you were just looking at these two fleeces, and which one would you buy? Well, you know, you might go, notwithstanding color. Yeah, okay? oh yeah. But you might go with the one that has less guard hair. Yeah. Just because it's easier for you to deal with. Yeah, and I mean, you can't feel it in this in this other one Well, here. there's virtually none in here. Yeah. She she came off, I mean, if, if you find 100 guard hairs in here, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the way that it was. And I, yeah. I you know, she... Uh, she, she marked good for differentiation, but there was virtually no guard hair to look at. So, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's the way it is. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, this is awesome. So, you were you were telling me yesterday that, because um, obviously cashmere is a luxury fiber, and, and I'm sure, like you know, like silk, it's, it's, it's a little more pricey, and people are maybe afraid to spin it. But you were saying mm-hmm. that it's really easy to spin. Okay. I learned to spin three years ago, okay. or started to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the, no, four years ago. Mm-hmm. I've done levels one and two of the master spinner, hand spinner. Mm-hmm. And I am not a proficient spinner. I haven't done a homework for Gail's number two <laughs> class. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. But uh, last year I married mm-hmm. the man, the man. Mm-hmm. And um, I started spinning a cashmere fleece from my own herd mm-hmm. at Fiber Week. Mm-hmm. Um, and had it spun and had the shawl knitted mm-hmm. for that wedding by August oh, 20th. Wow. I had it done 10 days ahead of time. <laughs> right? <laughs> but and still, was, you gave and, yourself a week and a half. Yeah. Leeway. Well, because I wasn't sure I was going to get it done that quick. So, right? right. And uh, so the point is, I don't have a lot of experience spinning, period. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was just so that I learned how to do long draw and point of contact. Yep. And that's what I actually did with this. It was a dehaired fleece. I got it dehaired, custom dehaired by someone. Um, it's easy to do. It was easy. It felt right. The, the, yep. the cashmere let me know what grist it should be. Mm-hmm. And um, I was shy to put in a lot of twist and thought, no, it can handle it. And I felt it. And, you know, you test and you do little yep. swatches and stuff. And it could take quite a lot of twist. Mm-hmm. And, um how do I explain how easy it is? It's easier than some wools. There have been some wools, and I, you know, you do your breed study in level one. There, it's easier than some wools. Um, it's easier than it's not a slippery fiber, and that's where the crimp is important. So you have crimp, and that crimp it holds things together a little bit. It's not as springy as merino, um, so it doesn't have the same feeling at all. But, but because it's not slippery, I find that easier for me yeah. um, it's a fairly short fiber so you know you, you just I mean two well, inches isn't that bad right yeah um, but it, point, just, of, point of contact and yeah. off you go yeah and it, it is mm-hmm. how do I explain to you Vanessa I mean I don't know what to say I know I have it's, to do it myself it's um it feels good yeah. it felt it felt like butter that's not oily mm-hmm. it just and it just goes it just and I'm goes. sure your shawl was beautiful yeah. 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 Did you see it? I don't know. I saw the sample over here, but I don't know if I saw the whole thing. I, d- I don't have it here. It's in the townhouse. Oh. I'll have it's to, I'll have to come. Really you know what? I'll pretty. come by and get a picture of it. Okay. Because then I can put that yeah. together with the... Okay. This. I'd like that. Yeah. I'd like that. Um, no, it, it is mm-hmm. super simple. I mean... So, the things to take away... Don't be, don't be nervous about trying it. And I mean, yeah. it, for me, it was a little bit easier because... I have the goats and I have yep. the cashmere and so I have, you know, the stash already, right? <laughs> but I treated it, I, I decided finally I was scared about it, right? And mm-hmm. and then I finally said, okay, I just have to jump into it. I only had the one fleece dehaired mm-hmm. and I couldn't really well, bugger that up because then I'm stuck and I don't have anything to do the yeah. do my, my shawl with and the wedding is on a August the 31st, right? Mm-hmm. But I decided, okay, enough of the trepidation, enough of being scared, it's drier lint. Just go for it. Yeah. And I, of course, because I hadn't paid the dollars I'd paid, you know, to produce mm-hmm. it, but I, I hadn't paid the dollars. That was a lot easier than for somebody who, who comes and has to, to spend mm-hmm. the cold, cold cash on it, right? <laughs> but it was... Well, I think, I think with spinning... It's a mindset. Yeah, you just need to say, they're always making more. Yeah. Because they are. Yeah. And if you yeah. mess it up, then you take a lesson away from that. Yeah. So... Yeah. But really, it's just because the, the trouble is that it has the dear price tag. Yeah, that's what makes people scared of it. Scared of it. But it's, it's not. It's not hard. Nope. Nope. I can say that. I can say that for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. You're very welcome. By the wayside. Well, I put in a really good Saturday night last week on the tapestry. I, I didn't do anything yesterday because I was working on the hat, but I was I was more likely to get the hat finished than the tapestry. <laughs> so, but uh, I've got I'm almost on the shields. The only thing I've got left on the shield to fill in is the one. Um, animal, the one heraldic animal on on the front soldier. 
and then and then the shields are done, which is pretty impressive. Now I know you, you'll look at the picture and you won't see much, but the thing the thing is like I could I can do a lot on the horses. The horses are much more impressive because it's a bigger surface area. And yeah, the shields are a smaller surface area, but it's the same number of stitches. Each one just doesn't cover as much. So the, the small stuff takes just as long, if not longer, to fill in as the big stuff with the tapestry. So, you know, even though I've put in a pretty decent amount of time, you won't see too much difference. But that's okay. I, I'm pretty much done everything that can be easily finished, so I should be able to put in a couple good Saturday nights on the tapestry before the next episode. So that should see the shields done and some outlining starting again. I haven't decided where yet. We'll see. We'll see what I feel like when it comes to that time. Thank you for joining me for episode 35. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 36 on May 18th, 2014. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.